I'm Lemuel Gonzalez, Repentant Sinner, and along with Amity Armstrong, your Heavenly Host, I invite you to find a place in the pew for today's painless Sunday School lesson, Without Works. This week, we face the terrors of COVID-19, but together, bravely, in an entry of Your Own Personal Jesus. Your own personal Jesus. Before we get started, I want to just do a little note. We are recording this on the evening of April 17th, 2020. As of right now, according to Worldometers, there are 710,000 to 21 coronavirus cases in the United States, and there have been 37,158 deaths. That's only in the United States. Worldwide, There have been over 2.2 million cases with over 154,000 deaths. Bishop Gerald Glenn of the New Deliverance Evangelistic Church in Chesterfield, Virginia, passed away last week at the age of 66. He had tested positive for COVID-19 a month earlier, but insisted on continuing to hold services and encourage others to attend. There were some precautions put into place at these services. Hand sanitizer was offered, signs posted, a six-foot distance was put into place, and fellowship after service was discouraged. Bishop Glenn, in one post-infection sermon, expressed indifference to dying from the virus. He also encouraged people to continue to congregate in defiance of the illness. The unfortunate Bishop Glenn's response is still more reasonable than evangelist Kenneth Copeland, a longtime carbuncle on the body of Christ. Mr. Copeland is notorious for his fundraising methods, his habit of improvising theologies on air, as well as claiming mass healings through television, an ability that no one in the Bible could claim. Mr. Copeland first claimed that the virus was a hoax, following the example of the putative President Trump, then claimed to have driven driven it off with prayer and dispersed it with some kind of spiritual blast from his lungs. He said, I blow the wind of God on you. You are destroyed forever and you'll never be back. Thank you, God, let it happen. Cause it to happen. Wind, almighty, strong, south wind, heat, burn this thing, in the name of Jesus, I say, you bow your knees, you fall on your face. He appears to be equating himself with Jesus Christ, breathing on the disciples and gifting them with the Holy Ghost. Are you telling me right now that this gentleman, and I use that term very liberally, blew on his congregants, or was he blowing on the virus? He appears to have blown in a kind of metaphorical exorcism, who also said that uh, rising temperatures would kill the virus. That is, to a point, true. Uh But it is not the whole of the story, let's say that. So, typically, just like a flu, and this is not a flu, that is not what I'm saying, but just like a flu dips down in the summer and raises up in the winter... These viruses struggle in warmer temperatures. However, they still exist. I've had a flu in June, so they don't just disappear. And also, though I believe that the wind from this man is mighty, I do not believe it is antimicrobial. No, it's not going to disinfect you. And it certainly isn't going to do this through television. Um, 
Yeah, it seemed ridiculous. It seemed a, a, another it, to be a perfect example as a response to the virus is an example of what's been going on from the very top down. Mm-hmm. We're seeing denial. The uh, that it's a hoax. Yes, that it's a hoax. That it's a political. And this also follows the president's um, or Mr. Trump's statement that it will disappear like a miracle. He's yeah. furthering that sort of idea that we're going to miraculously recover from this illness and that it no longer will be a threat or that our prayers are going to stop it. There, okay, and here's how this is actually going mm-hmm. to happen. A very smart person, actually probably more realistically, a very smart team of people will come up with a vaccine that we will all be able to take, and then miraculously we will no longer be harmed by this disease. But it will not be through the breath of a minister. Mm -hmm. It will not be through the power of thought or prayer. I'm sorry, it it just won't. Prayer can do, you know, things, but it can't do this. And... I feel like the evangelical group mm-hmm. as a whole in the United States also falls along the freedom, freedom, freedom um, group. But what needs to be understood by all people is your freedom ends where my life begins. Mm-hmm. And thus, if saving lives will be... If we want to save lives, and I don't know why we wouldn't, uh, then we need to stay the fuck home. We need to stay home. Mm-hmm. I, I redid it. <laughs> we need to stay home. We need to not touch each other. We certainly need to not blow on each other. Like, you and I live together and share all of the germs. Mm-hmm. I'm still not going to blow in your face. That's... Why? I think, and again, to, to, to make a clear distinction, of course, I have different ideas on what prayer can do. However, it is never should be used as a fetish. It's not a magic charm. No. Prayer it's may meant... bring you solace. It's well, not going to bring... Well, I mean, but again, bring... that's going to be a, a fundamental difference <laughs> in the way that we see it. But it's, this is lazy. This is saying we're going to pray for it and it's gone away. That problem's been solved. Now we can go on to the next problem. This is not the way that it works. Because as we emphasize on this program, faith without works is dead. So the um, the idea that you're somehow we're all going to pray it, it's gonna that's not and how. then yeah, just magically it poofs right. things it, are good. People are working hard to bring mm-hmm. a solution to this and problem. And you can work hard or you can simply claim that your prayers drove it away. It's not the same thing. It feels like a stolen valor situation. Like, yes. like when vaccine comes out, they can they'll all turn around and be like, "See, my, the power of our prayer and the mm-hmm. the the power of your tithes well, brought us this." This is the re- <laughs> and again, Kenneth Copeland also was insisting that people continue to pay their tithes even while they're not attending the church. There, there were um, other churches Doing I a heard thing. on the Daily Zeitgeist. One of the one of the guests talked about how they were. With the coming of the stimulus check, I'm going to donate 20%, 20%, and we urge you to donate 20%. I understand that people's faith is important to them, mm-hmm. but so is food right. that isn't cat food, which I know that there are women, and probably men too, but I've seen, I've seen active cases of women who give so much to their churches that they mm-hmm. cannot afford any food but the cat food that they share with their pets. That 
is shameful. And it's shameful mm -hmm. for the church, and it's shameful for the parishioner. <sighs> what the church typically, biblically, asks is 10%. I'm not sure why you'd give 20. Um, and I am absolutely sure these rules are flexible in times of financial hardship. Absolutely. And, so, and they should be flexible right. just in terms of what a person can afford. A, yes, yes. Of and your so, expendable income, mm -hmm. not of the money that you oh, need when, to feed and home yourself. When I was doing this uh, regularly, it was a great, there was a huge emphasis put on it. And um, it was done before you spend any of your money at all. Um, you took it out before. So then if then you have to go, then presumably the church buys your, or pays for your food then. Well, the church also, go. remember, there are communities where the church is much more active and supports people and Absolutely. feeds them and things like that. So there's a world of difference because really, ideally, that's where the tithe should go. It should go into food pantries. Right. It should go into But it doesn't make any sense for me to give you 10% and then have to go to those, the food right, pantry. Right, exactly. It does, that makes so no that, sense. That's why there's the kind of rigidity that happens mm -hmm. when you look at the evangelical way of interpreting the Bible means that people are kept in a state of poverty or a state of wealth. Yeah. And um, that state of wealth in particular is the one that's most offensive to me. Because you are building your financial empire on the life of a person who was homeless the last three years of his life. Right. And was given essentially handouts to eat. Yeah, but you need um, to donate today so that I can get an updated uh, jet or and whatever. Yes, and there are and that, that preachers is, who are that doing is the that. case. Uh, the non-ironically named minister, uh, so-called minister, Creflo Dollar. I mean, the warnings weren't clearly on the label. I don't even understand what you're just saying. Right. But That's his name. <laughs> his demands for tithes. And and I'll tell you how it worked when I was a kid. All right. At the very beginning of people like Kenneth Copeland's ministry and Jim Baker. And you, all. you say that he's known for fundraising. So I'd love to know. I, I don't. Well, his know. fundraising practices include, there, there's certain things that should be, um, how can I put this? We should not tax churches. All right. And, and then this is the reason why I believe that, because you can't tax the ideas inside of a church. If you start doing that, then we could tax Muslim uh, Muslim uh, places of worship more than others. You could wind up taxing religious ideas that are unpopular. You would have to tax all or none. Right. That's how it would have to work. Yes, but also the body, the congregation itself, how much does it get taxed? How do you base, what do you base that on? Um, rescue missions, do they get taxed because they're churches technically? So I think that as a, as a place for the free, uh, for freedom of ideas and the ability to worship without having it become a state church, mm -hmm. churches shouldn't be taxed. However, what I saw growing up when I was, uh, there, when my family was heavily involved with the Jimmy Swaggart Ministries, at least in terms of supporting him financially, mm -hmm. is that he would then, still under the guise of a tax-free organization, mm. offer records of him singing hymns and mm. playing the piano. He played a mean honky-tonk piano. Mm -hmm. He would offer that. He would offer signed Bibles mm -hmm. that had a special study program that he offered. Mm -hmm. And you could pay that. And it was not called paying for it. You wouldn't buy it. You would give a donation for a twenty dollars donation. Yeah. You can get this for a fifty dollars donation. You it's can get that. literally exactly the same as online casinos who get around the law of of mm -hmm. online gambling with 
Well, you bought the fake gold money, and mm-hmm. we gave you the sweeps cash for free. The right. sweeps cash is what you can transfer into real dollars and cents, but you didn't buy that. We just gave that to you with the purchase of the fake money over here. This is also similar to what PBS <laughs> did, but PBS did not run a telethon uh, effectively every week. No, but they also have to... And and this is and they I, also have inco- accountability. That's the that's that's the key. I think uh-huh. the I if a church is getting money mm-hmm. and then putting that money into the upkeep of the church, mm-hmm. the reasonable um, salaries of the people who run the church, right. and the community, fine. If the church is getting money and that dude is buying six jets, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. The, uh, on a tax-free, right. if anyone has six jets, because that sounds you, like a you that, know what I'm, you that would qualify as an air force. You, um, but yes, six houses, you under, yes, yes, fine. You I understand what that. I'm saying. And, so right. I really think that you're a church. Cool. Mm-hmm. You have to open up. You have to fill out the the regular church forms of this. I'm a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. This is why. Right. And then, just like every nonprofit, I need to see your books at the end of the year. Right. I need to see where the the money that came in. And where it went. And a, and a true accounting of that. And if if $6 million went to your lead pastor, that's a problem. And I think that having worked and as a... And I think a, the church, the members of the church would want that too. Okay. No, they do. <laughs> uh, when I worked as a, a financial officer in a church, mm. I did that for a little while. Um, I wasn't paid for it. But what we did is that we had to keep very scrupulous records, and it was checked and double-checked all the time because they were very careful for that. But again, this is a church organization at a local level. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what a mega church how, is looking what like. What a mega church, how they even keep track of these huge amounts of money. Um, and be, because you see so much of it is not is not appropriately used. I I remember... The, the halcyon days of, for instance, Jim Baker, and how he essentially was trying to create a separate world where only Christians could go or people who were sympathetic to the faith. He had his television organization, and then he had a theme park with water slides and with, um, well, essentially he was very concerned about the kind of immorality you could see at Disneyland. Right, so he's making a, an a alternate one. amusement and I thing. don't know if people donating to the church really wanted to build a luxury hotel with their church donations. When I think of all the people who genuinely need help and what the yeah. church is supposed to function to do, uh, building and, a and hotel... And I'm sure that that amusement mm-hmm. park was also charging people to oh, come yes, in. It was. It was. So, so it was, again... An, or, um, a for-profit organization, but it was running under the umbrella of this church. And I don't know how those finances worked. I, to this day, it's a mystery to me. I know that the IRS eventually found their way into it. Uh-huh, of course. After you years can't be that ostentatious for that long without no. the IRS at some point going, yeah, let's go ahead and look into right. this. Right, and, and the, the more egregious things they eventually discovered were the, I, I think my favorite was the air-conditioned doghouse. Um, here's here's a here's a little new rule that I'm gonna submit. Mm-hmm. Your church can build a luxury hotel when there's no homelessness right. anywhere, and well, I mean literally anywhere. It follows, Start in your community, but it, then if you have more money, just go out in a big is, circle and just keep going. Mm-hmm. And when everyone is housed, you can build your luxury whatever. This is very common to 
um, the American evangelical idea that it's kind of, uh, and it's really what the country, when you think about it, is based on, is a kind of separatism. We don't like the Church of England. Mm -hmm. We don't like the restrictions there. We're going to go somewhere else and start all over again. Yeah. And it's founded very much on that idea. It's very American. Mm -hmm. And um, and whether it's uh, a, a related body like the the Church of the Latter Day Saints mm -hmm. that go off and find their own place, mm -hmm. that's a very common idea here. Yeah. Just go out someplace else, and it doesn't matter if anybody else is already there. Because just, it's a free country. Just come and take it. So, uh, and then we're getting a little off the topic yes, there. Yes. But, um, so, in regards to this, the coronavirus, to, back to, to, to the you, virus yeah. and everything. Um, so, speaking of Jesus, which we were talking about earlier, what does he think of all of this? And we can't claim an answer. I'm not ever going to speak for Jesus Christ. Well, you can look for things that he actually said. And right, I exactly. actually had asked you, th this started, I think, because I had said, mm -hmm. what would Jesus say about right. sickness and specifically? And, and because there's also the other, the other sort of leg to mm -hmm. what we were talking about with the evangelical um, preachers. I just saying, don't listen to the government. Mm -hmm. Keep congregating. Keep giving us money. In fact, up your donations. Keep, right. keep doing what you're doing. You'll triumph over over the virus by the mm. will of Christ. Another pillar of that is if we die because we went to church, that's cool. Yeah, which is a horrifying thing to say. There's no need to be a martyr. I mean, you're not sacrificing yourself for the better betterment of Christianity or the furtherance or the persecution for your ideas, and that's a constant. Um, and very false uh, point to uh, conservative evangelicals mm -hmm. that they're being persecuted. Yeah, yes. And, the know, most as, populous group, right. religious group in the United States. There are more Christians than any single group of people who think anything. And that's from where we're sitting. In a mile radius, there's at least five or six active churches. Right. In several different languages. More than that. Yeah, right. From where we are? I'm talking about just yes. you know, up our street and to the left, there's about four. Yeah. You can go to a Tongan church. You can go to a Spanish-speaking church. You mm -hmm. can go to a Southern Baptist church in, mm -hmm. a, in, the, in the Palace the Theater. Presbyterian church right. over here. So yes. there's just so much of there's it. There's a Catholic church right there. Well, there's... Obviously, there's a... Yeah. And <laughs> we are a few miles away from not only the, uh, the seat of the Bishop of Oakland... Mm -hmm. at Christ the Light, but also across the lake, the more liberal Our Lady of Lourdes, which yes. is where I went for uh, Christmas Eve service. So yes, there is Christianity under persecution the way that it is in some other parts of the world? No. Christianity, like white men, are going to be fine. Right. It's just that this is not going to... Uh, the idea that somehow preventing us from going to a church service uh, is a persecution against the faith and you think of what was suffered, the actual people persecuted for the faith who had their children wrapped up in lambskins and had dogs set on them. And then you look at somebody who goes, oh, I'm not allowed to go to church. That is a, that, there's nothing to compare to that. Especially in the year of our Lord 2020, when you right. can go on the, I could go to a church service mm -hmm. right now. Right. My computer is open in front of me. It's seven twelve at night. I could find a church service that's probably live right now. Mm -hmm. If not live, I could certainly watch right. a rerun. No. Well, you know, I don't think they call it that. But <laughs> yes, And on right. Sunday, uh -huh. I could go to a church in literally any language you could 
have or denomination you want to have. I've spent Easter at the Vatican, and I've never the, been there. <laughs> that was it's lovely. I, mean, I, I can do that. There I, I, is technology right. where you can get your church. You yes. can. And so we want to emphasize that because recently for Holy Week, there are were churches mm-hmm. that were broadcasting. Mm-hmm. Mass or sunrise service or whatever, because we talked about that. And on any yeah. cable package, there are like 17 Christian yes. channels that we don't there, see regularly. Not, but on a Sunday right. morning, there's a plethora of church being beamed in on your ca- in your cable for free. That's right. the lowest end and cable package. It's all the free Remembering that networks. the situation is temporary. Mm-hmm. It's not the way that we're forced to live the rest of our lives. No. There's not radiation. That's going right. to keep We're us not from being going forced out. underground. We're not right. bunkering down forever. There are no sort of horrible reptiles that can only hear you and chase you around. You know what I watch. But that's not what's happened. What has actually happened is something that will eventually pass. But it will only pass if we take steps and behave wisely. Yeah. So let me, what I extrapolated, what I went back to, is something that Jesus said. So I'm quoting from Luke 13, chapter 13, the very beginning of it. Um, I believe it starts in verse 4. There were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Hmm. Now, I, I want I want to remember this because this also feels like something you could say to people when they're like, like after disasters, mm-hmm. and yes. I was saved. Well, no, that's <laughs> so Jesus looked at me and screwed my neighbor. Like right. that's yeah, not <laughs> that's basically. And here's what's interesting about this: Jesus is a very practical person. Pontius Pilate, who we all remember or we remember more from his his refusal to take responsibility for crucifying Jesus. Right, exactly. He's washing his hands. He now, is doing good coronavirus right. things. Wash However, the hands. Wash. in this case, it's talking about something really horrible that he did, which is he attacked worshipers in a church, in a synagogue. Galileans and their blood wind up mixing with the sacrifices they were offering. So he defiled uh, a Jewish temple. and so Like people he are, murdered people who were at, uh, wow, at worship. Rough. So what, and then they bring that example to Jesus. Were these people secretly sinners? Did they do something in their heart of hearts? And that's the reason why they were killed in the holy place like the church. Because the church should have somehow, uh, like the church is an animate thing that extends protection towards them. Right. Or, and then Jesus brings up, well, they weren't any worse than anybody else. Right. All right. Then he or in up, an earthquake when those people died. Right. The Tower they, of Siloam, yeah. which was a, a sort of a building that had eight porches. And we actually visited it later in the Gospels. And this collapsed, possibly under its own weight and the fact that it is a very earthquake-prone region. Mm. And it killed a bunch of people. It's like, were those people more desiring, de, excuse me, were they more deserving right. of dying? And it reminds me of the book by Thornton Wilder, The Bridge of St. Louis Ray, I think, uh-huh. where uh, a clerical investigator is asked, to find out why a group of people die on a bridge and he has to investigate their lives to try to find a reason to justify their death. Why bad things happen so to good people. So he can tell the people, oh, well, this is not... It a, was right. bad people, there, was so bad, bad people things happen to it. bad people. Wow. Right. So here Jesus is using the term perish to mean more than physical death, 
Repent while you have the opportunity because you never know when your time is up, right? Right. The Galileans in the first part of the story were killed while attending services. Their devotion did not protect them. Lack of faith did not cause their doom. The congregation that gathered at Siloam fell there under the collapsing tower. They weren't especially guilty. Bad things happen. The important thing in Jesus' teaching was what happened to the soul. There are worse things than physical death. Quick question. Uh Uh-huh. If the only way to get to heaven is to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Mm -hmm. these people who were killed in this temple, hell? No, of course not. How? Because what he wasn't doing, at the time (laughs) that he was extending his salvation to people, he's not saying, um, and this is where it becomes, at times, a matter of interpretation. Yeah, like Uh, all the people who lived before Jesus. And St. Paul, in the book of Romans, St. Paul, the very problematic St. Paul, who is the darling of a lot of conservative biblical teaching, Mm -hmm. actually goes so far as to say, people are held responsible for what they know about God. Okay. If what you know about God is only your conscience, then you're held to the dictates of your conscience. Okay, gotcha. He further on goes on to say, and I want to make that point because it's very interesting, he goes on to say that God reveals himself to people all the time. I mean, using the term himself, although God is greater than gender, but... uh, He even goes so far as to say God reveals himself through nature. God reveals himself through the dictates of your conscience. God reveals himself through the teaching that's available to you. And that's an interesting idea. Because it does not even mean, for instance, if you're a happy Buddhist, living a good life, God is not going to send you to hell for being a happy Buddhist. Yep, yep, yep. Right? And that's from the most conservative New Testament teaching. That's very similar to the Mm. way that I view Jesus. He was using the, the... the the mm-hmm. constructs of his life, right? Right. So, and I look at him from a Buddhist lens, a little bit of a Buddhist lens. Right. So, it, me and Saint Paul have one single one, one thing single in thing in common. <laughs> it's very funny. I remember because uh, at my job we work with an Episcopal church, and the Episcopal church is very liberal. Yeah, I like it. But uh, yeah, they're where I'd probably go if I went to a denominational right. church. But one of the funnier things was talking to uh, we got in this discussion. Uh, one of the uh, uh, clergy there who was talking to me over, I don't know how we started this conversation, and she went on to say that she attended a wedding, and there was a, a wedding citation from one of Paul's epistles. And we both kind of groaned, you know, we're talking about Paul. Because on the one hand, he'll say something really beautiful, in the next verse, he's like, women shouldn't speak in church. And as a matter of fact, we can effectively say all the issues with the New Testament church and homosexuality come from one guy. Cool. And it's, I think it's less than... What are the than, chances that he was a homosexual himself? I don't think that was the case, but I think what it was is that he was very... Oh, um, yeah. He yeah. equated homosexuality with idolatry. And he equated it with the Roman way of life. Right. So that he, he equated it with pedophilia, with, probably. Yeah, pederastry, is what he institutionalized did. pederastry, among other things. But anyhow, going back to the term, so Jesus here is saying it is not that if devotion itself was going to protect you from harm, these people wouldn't have been killed in a synagogue. And also, how right. would anybody ever die? Right, exactly. <laughs> And how would certainly how would anybody ever be canonized? No, I mean that's not a thing here because I presume that they didn't start canonizing until after, like, till Christianity was a thing. And well, there's what there are still some people who have that that train of thought though. This shooting that happened recently, um, I say recently, there's so many shootings. Although fewer that now. That happened at a gay nightclub. Oh yeah. 
there were people who were ready to say, this is what happens. Yeah. Now, yes, there were a loud vocal group of people who right. were saying now, that. What Disgusting. makes that ridiculous is that there is equal amount of shootings at schools. Yep. So do those and children deserve churches. to be shot? And at churches <sighs> and at synagogues. So what we see here is that Jesus, yes, indeed, is saying it's absolutely right. He has just said the equivalent of shit happens. He yep. actually said that. Sometimes just, bad things happen right. to good people. That's and he didn't. He what he emphasizes is the importance of your spiritual life, which is something that I when I when that happened the, the shooting at the gay nightclub. Um, Pulse, the right. pulse shooting us. Yeah. What really bothered me was just the notion of these poor people, and it happened later in Las Vegas. Yes. It happened um, when I and a friend missed by hours getting shot at the Gilroy Garlic Festival. Festival. I was supposed to be there, and we changed our mind at the last minute because didn't want to drive all that way. Um, those people who are shot are not more deserving of being shot. No. They're not wicked. It's not that their faith didn't protect them. No. What's more important when you think about the way that Jesus views the world and teaches people to view the world is, have you lived your life? How do you feel about the way that you're living your life right now? And can you change? Are you going to die full of regrets? Or are mm -hmm. you going to die with some sort of sense that no matter where it ends on your trip, where you expect it to end, that you have that accomplishment of knowing that you did the right thing? Right. So that's what he's emphasizing when he's talking about, unless you... You're all going to perish. We're all going to perish. You can perish yep. badly. You can, but it's going to happen to you. Yeah. So get right with God. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's what he's saying. So the answer, so what is it? How does faith work in a world where disease is being spread by ignorance and lawlessness? And we're seeing that now. We're seeing, again, our putative president, because I don't want to call yeah. him president. As of the last three uh, days, is starting to... He's inciting riots, is what he yes, is doing. He's encouraging he's, people to literally stand in the way of healthcare workers servicing people to for their freedoms. For their freedoms, so quote unquote, big mm, quote, big unquote. Yeah. So the answer is not to encourage to, uh, people to put themselves in harm's way to show their faith or to claim godlike abilities to rid the world of illness. There were lepers all over. Um, Palestine, when Jesus was alive, he cured some. He did not cure all of them. Mm -hmm. Nor did he stand on top of a hilltop and disperse disease with the wave of his hands. Mm -hmm. He didn't do that. Right? So when another person claims to do the same, no, they're not. This is ridiculous. See, other churches have gone to electronic services, sermons delivered on YouTube, mm -hmm. virtual congregations have gathered and continue to have fellowship. There are... Zoom Bible studies, I promise. There are FaceTime Bible studies, mm -hmm. right? Times are dangerous and bad things can happen to the best of us, but we have the power to help each other and to show compassion and offer our best help and solace to people who need it. Church resources, volunteers, food pantries, soup kitchens, medical help, financial contributions, those are all things that the church can do. Mm -hmm. I find it, as he's pointed, it's a terrible shame that there are evangelical ministers who are trying to take the lion's share of donations when there are um, food pantries, as mm -hmm. we saw this morning in New York, that are dispersing food and only have enough food for a thousand families. Mm -hmm. They could be a much better use of those funds. Absolutely. Rather than giving it to a minister... 
who's going to hoard it or who needs to stamp his name on every single plate of food served. And I do want to say that there are good charity, good Christian charities yes, doing the work. Right. I am working right now on a project where I am basically pulling information of um, nonprofit grants mm-hmm. um, or just general funds in the nine counties of the Bay Area and who those grantees are and what those grantees are doing. And among those grantees of large dollar denominations are the Catholic Charities, mm-hmm. are St. Vincent de Paul. Right. Are, I mean, there are many churches um, who run, yes, food pantries, right. who run shelters to get people housed, who run um, transportation services, who are uh, helping uh, people pay for uh, testing and things right. like that. Like, there is good work being done it's by many. It's ostentatious, though. <laughs> yes. These are not the people who are going to show themselves. These are not the people who are going to be on television. These are the people who do their work very quietly and steadily. Yes. And so if you, you know, if you want to donate, I would look for a community foundation in your area. Mm -hmm. There's community foundations in every county or city. Uh, It's usually a county-wide thing. And many of them partner with the religious uh, nonprofits in their area to serve those communities. Um, But it allows the money to go to sort of go through a funnel. Mm-hmm. And uh, most of those community foundations will allow you to choose where you want your money to go. Um, whether you want it to go to um, direct uh, need, like right. direct either food or cash assistance to individuals or to the organizations to help uh, maintain the aid that they're giving. And so you can, you know, funnel your donations many different ways and depending on your community. So I would urge you to, um, if you don't belong to a church that you want to, or don't know of a church that you Mm -hmm. feel comfortable giving to directly or have an in to do that, as most churches on their website has a donate page, that Mm -hmm. is an option. Um, Go to your community foundation and they are often working with a ton of religious organizations who are serving the community. There are people fighting the good fight, but they're not the people who you're going to see. Nope. And part of the nature of Christianity is supposed to be that you're not ostentatious. Like that guy. Like that guy. (laughs) That guy was soups ostentatious. (laughs) You're not supposed to be. You're... Uh, it's interesting. The idea is just... You're supposed to, to pray quietly at home. Right. That's the other thing. Yes. You're not supposed to... Like, trumpeting, I got to go to church because I mm-hmm. got to pray is is explicitly antithetical to... Right. Yes. Absolutely. The, the readings. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we talked about it on here, but I, yeah, I read that. Was it when we were watching Carrie? I... I <laughs> Honestly, I think it might have been right. something that Sue said where she was uh, like, aren't you supposed to, like, pray? Right. And... Yeah, it's, that's what Jesus said to do. He yeah. said not to be ostentatious. He gives the example of a person who's uh, a story. He tells a story. He loved telling stories. Of a person who's genuinely repentant and a person who is drawing attention to themselves by making a loud prayer and thanking God that he's not like the sinners around him. Gross. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really, yes. This is the, part of the reason how you get yourself crucified is just to... Be like poke at religious hypocrisy, which is something that he did constantly. That's why the the picture of Jesus as being in any way conservative 
is ridiculous. Nah. He was a rebel. And the actual like teaching of Christianity is supposed to rebel. It's never supposed to be an establishment. What I want to say in closing, really, is to remember that there's not a supernatural cause to this illness. It's a virus, a living thing trying to survive. It is not God's judgment on a sinful world. It is not a sign of the apocalypse. Though it does feel that way right now. I had to ask you. (laughs) The world was ending when Krakatoa happened and there were also locusts. I was like, um... (laughs) This is a bad time. This is not the end. This is just life. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. If you liked it, please subscribe and leave us a review. And you should share it with a friend, uh, virtually. Don't touch them. Yes. We have an internet home, withoutworkspodcast.com. Our show notes, links to stories we talk about, and transcripts for our episodes can be found there. We're also reachable at withoutworkspod at gmail.com for emails, on Twitter at withoutworkspod, and on Facebook by searching withoutworkspodcast. All manners of communication are linked on the website, so head on over there to take a look around. I've been Amity, and he's been Lemuel, and we urge you to stay inside and do something good. Everybody's got a little light under the sun, under the sun.